2 Kings chapter 6 and verses 1 through 6. And the sons of the prophets said unto Elisha, Behold now, the place where we dwell with thee is too straight for us. Let us go, we pray thee, unto Jordan, and take thence every man a beam, and let us make us a place there, where we may dwell. And he answered, Go ye. And one said, Be content, I pray thee, and go with thy servants. And he answered, I will go. So he went with them. And when they came to Jordan, they cut down wood. But as one was felling a beam, the axe head fell into the water. And he cried and said, Alas, master, for it was borrowed. And the man of God said, Where fell it? And he showed him the place. And he cut down a stick and cast it in thither. And the iron did swim. I want to minister tonight on a subject, Things we must not lose. Things we must not lose. You can be seated if you will, please. Things we must not lose. This incident that I've read to you tonight of the lost axe head was a very serious issue with the person that lost it. It may not have meant too much to anybody else, but it was very vital to the man who was using this axe. It wasn't something to be ignored or to be overlooked. The man that lost the axe head, he wanted the axe head back. First of all, he wanted it back because without the axe head, he couldn't function and he couldn't do his work. And may I tell you tonight that without the Spirit of God and without the anointing of the Holy Ghost, we cannot function and we cannot do our work. Now, it doesn't matter how much ability we have, unless the Spirit of God gets in it, then we're going to be a failure. But if God's anointed and God can touch it, then I want to tell you, God can take nothing and make something, and God can take what you have, and He can bless it. So the man needed the axe head to function. He wanted the axe head back because it was borrowed. It didn't belong to him. And the blessings and the attributes that come from God Almighty, they don't belong to us tonight. But we're responsible to God for the blessings that God has given unto us. We can't afford to lose the things that God has handed to us through the Holy Ghost. We must carry still. We must realize their importance. I'm glad to be a Pentecostal. I'm glad of the heritage that I've received. I don't have bad things to say about those who have gone before me and those who have laid the plan down and have suffered and fought the battle. I don't have any criticism about them. I've heard people criticize those that were uh, before us and those that paved the way and they talked about them and said they were ignorant and they didn't know what they were doing. And that this advanced generation, we're not thankful for our forefathers. But I'm glad for the things that's been handed down unto me. And I appreciate the things that God has given unto me. But the important thing to be learned here is that the man who lost this axe head, he got the axe head back. But how did he get it back? He went to the man of God and there was a divine miracle that was performed for him to get it back. The axe head did swim. And then he put out his hand and he took the axe head. 
Now, as he was cutting down this beam, it flew into the water. And he cried out unto Elisha. And notice what Elisha said. Elisha said, where fell it? And he showed him the place. When we lose something from God, we need to go back where we lost it. And we need to pick up the things that we lost. Jesus right into the church at Ephesus in the book of Revelation chapter 2 unto the angel of the church at Ephesus right. These things saith he that hath the seven stars in his right hand who walketh in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks. I know thy work and thy labor and thy patience. How thou canst not bear them which are evil. And thou hast tried them which say they are apostles and are not and has found them liars, and has borne, and has patience, and for my name's sake has labored, and has not fainted. Nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee, because thou hast left thy first love. Remember from which thou art fallen, and repent, and do the first works, or else I will come unto thee, and remove the candlestick out of his place, except thou repent. Go back and receive and make amends for the things that you have lost. When we lose our spiritual blessings that, that we possess, we must make an effort to retrieve them and to get them back. But we must be careful not to lose what God has given unto us. You see, if the man would have been watching, he would not have lost the axe head. There's a lot of people that are losing the blessings of God and they're losing it because they're not sincere. They're losing it because of ignorance. They're losing because they're not dedicated and they're not doing the things that they ought to do. But what God has given unto us, we cannot afford to lose. There's a lot of people today that don't even know what it is to be in an old-fashioned Holy Ghost Pentecostal service. There's churches that used to have the fire. They used to burn. They used to live holy and sanctified. They used to be separated from the world. And they had a flow of the Spirit in the church. But you go into those churches today, and it's like an old cold mausoleum. They've lost God. It's just a big old tomb of dead people that have no fervor and fire in their soul. My God, help the church that the church will not lose the things that God has given unto them. As a man lost his axe head, I want us to look at some of the things that we must not lose and we must be aware of these attributes and we must protect them so that we don't lose them. First of all, we must not lose our purpose. There is a purpose in the church. Jesus shed His blood. He died on the cross. He purchased it with His blood. You're not here by accident. The Holy Ghost searched you out. The Spirit of God convicted you of your sins. Your names have been written down in heaven. And there's a purpose in your life. And our purpose here in this world is to fulfill the will of God while we're on this earth. Our purpose is to exemplify and to display the Lord Jesus Christ. We are the body of Christ. And we can't lose that purpose of being that body. The only Christ that some people are going to see is you. The world's not going to read their Bible. They know much more about the TV God than they do their Bible. 
They know more about pornography and the evil magazines that are displayed in this world than they know about their Bible. The purpose of the church is to exemplify Jesus Christ. In St. John 12, 31 and 32, he said, Now is the judgment of this world. Now shall the prince of this world be cast out. And I, if I be lifted up from the earth, will draw all men unto me. I want to tell you the need of the church today is to lift up Jesus. The need of the church is to talk about Him. And when we display Him, the world is going to see us. You see, God didn't raise us up for fun and for food and for fellowship. He raised us up to have a burden. We must be concerned about the lost. We must bring men to Christ. The Bible tells us, He that goeth forth and weepeth, bearing precious seed, shall doubtless come again, rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. Yes, we must not lose our purpose. I'm reminded in the book of Acts, I'm reminded of the apostles, how they were. You know why the book of Acts is called the book of Acts? It's because they acted like Jesus and the acts of the Spirit were profound in that book. God acted out what they said they were. It's not enough to tell somebody you saved. They want to see action. This world is looking for somebody that will lead them to the truth and that will exemplify Christ Jesus the Lord. Peter and John had just come fresh out of the upper room. They were baptized of Ohio in the Holy Ghost. And when they came out of that upper room, they went to the beautiful gate. And there had been a man carried down there. He had been taken down there for years. Forty years old the man was. And he couldn't walk from his mother's womb. He was a beggar. He knew where to get sympathy. He was down at the house of God to get sympathy. And if you can't get sympathy at the house of God, where in the world are you going to get it? But many times, instead of getting sympathy at the house of God, you get judgment. You get condemnation. You get people with a stuck-up attitude like they're so holy, and we don't want you to get around us. You're liable to contaminate us. Now listen, the church is not to compromise with the world. We're to have standards. We're to live holy. We're to be pure. We're to be different than the world. We are different. You can't help but be different if Jesus is in you. But you're going to love the lost. You're going to try to win the lost. You're not going to walk around with your head stuck up in the air like you're better than everybody else. I want to tell you, if it wasn't for the grace of God, I'd be on my way to hell. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And His grace which was bestowed upon me was not in vain. Thank God for the grace of God. He knew he could find sympathy. So he was at the temple, the beautiful gate. Peter and John about to go in the temple. The man asking alms. Peter said, look on us. Talking about him and John. And he looked upon them expecting to receive. When you go to the house of God, do you expect to receive? This man had more faith than a lot of us have. He believed that somebody was going to put money in his cup. And we come to the house of God and we don't believe God's going to do anything. We've got to believe that God is going to work if God works in the church. Now you stay with me tonight now. Peter said, silver and gold have I none. But such as I have, give I thee. 
In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand. May I tell you tonight, it's not enough to tell somebody how to get, how to, get to Jesus. We need to lead them to Jesus. We need to take them by the hand and pull them out of the mire and out of the pit and out of the cesspool of iniquity. We need to bring them to Calvary. I want to tell you, if we can get them to the cross, if we can get them to the Son of God, we're going to be able to get them saved. It is the cross that saves. It's the blood that redeems. It's the Spirit of God that sets people free. Silver and gold have I none. Such as I have, give I thee. In the name of Jesus Christ, rise up and walk, took him by the right hand, lifted him up. And immediately, his feet and his ankle bones received strength. And he leaping up stood and walked and entered with them into the temple, leaping and walking and praising God. And those that had frequented that temple, they saw him leaping and walking and praising God. And they were all gathered down there at the porch called Solomon's Porch. It gave Brother Simon Peter a good opportunity to preach. And he preached unto them Jesus as they wondered at this great miracle that had taken place. And Peter said, don't look on us as though by our holiness we've done this. This Jesus of Nazareth that you delivered into the hands of Pilate when he was determined to let him go. But you crucified the Holy One and the just. It's through faith in his name that this man stands before you whole. It is Jesus that has raised him up and made him whole. Hallelujah. You know the Bible tells us while Peter was talking in the fourth chapter of Acts. That the priest and the captain of the temple and the Sadducees came upon Simon, Peter, and John as they were preaching. The miracle had happened and it gave them an opportunity to preach. May I tell you tonight, every time God does anything, He does it to preach Jesus. He doesn't give miracles to us for us to go lollygagging our way and doing our own thing. He doesn't heal us for us to go on in the sinning business. If He heals us and we're lost, He means for us to get our name on the roll, to take up our cross, and to live for Jesus Christ. And as Peter was preaching, they came upon Him and the Bible said they were grieved that they taught the people and preached through Jesus the resurrection from the dead. But it said, how be it? Many of them which believed that there was 5,000 souls that were added to the Lord. They took Simon, Peter, and John and they put them in prison and held them to the next day because it was the evening time. And then Annas and Caiaphas and John and Alexander and as many as was of the high priest, they gathered together and they got Peter and John the next day and brought them to the council. And they said, we want to know by what name have you done this? Where did you get this authority? And they said it was by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. This is the stone which is set all of you builders, which is made the head of the corner. Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. And it said, now when they saw <laughs> the boldness of Peter and John, 
they marveled. They realized they were unlearned and ignorant men. They marveled. They took knowledge of them that they had been with Jesus. Oh, yes, the world needs to see Jesus Christ in us today. We need to win the lost. That's our commission. In Matthew 28, 19 and 20, Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the world. Now to win the lost is more than preaching Jesus as a Savior. It means to preach His doctrine. It means to live by His commandments. It means to follow Him whithersoever the Lamb leads. So we need to exemplify Jesus. We must not lose the purpose of our life. Our purpose is to minister to the people's needs in Mark 16, 17, and 18. And these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name shall they cast out devils. They shall take up serpents. If they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. They shall lay their hands on the sick and they shall recover. He said they'd speak with new tongues. I want to tell you, if you're a believer, you can exemplify Jesus Christ in this day and hour. We must not lose our purpose. Number two, we must not lose our faith. We've got to keep on believing. Why shouldn't we, why must we not lose our faith, preacher? Because without faith you can't please God. The Bible tells us in Hebrews 11 and 1, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen, for by it the elders obtained a good report. Through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the Word of God, so that the things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. By faith Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, by which he obtained witness that he was righteous, God testifying of his gifts. By, and by it he being dead yet speaketh. By faith Enoch was translated, that he should not see death that was not found, because God had translated him. For before his translation he had this testimony, that he pleased God. Verse 6 says, But without faith it is impossible to please him, for he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. You see, without faith we're going to sin. If you really believe Jesus is coming, I'm talking about things we must not lose, like the man that lost the axe head. We mustn't lose our purpose. We mustn't lose our faith. If you don't believe God, you're going to sin. If you really believe Jesus is coming, if you really believe there's a hell, if you really believe there's a heaven, if you really believe there's a judgment, I said if you really believe it, you're going to live like it. You're going to be afraid to break the laws of God. There's going to be a trembling about you when it comes to the power and the word of the Lord Jesus. You're not going to live just up and down and in and out if you really believe God. The Bible said in Romans 14, 23, for whatsoever is not a faith is sin. We must have faith. Faith is needed to be ready when Jesus comes. You'll not be ready if you're not a believer. Faith has a twofold meaning in the Word of God. First of all, it means to believe God or to trust God. And then faith is the embodiment of doctrine of God's Word. When we talk about faith in the Bible, we're not always talking about believing God to do something for us. We're talking about carrying out the principles and the precepts of God's Word. It has a twofold meaning. In the book of Luke chapter 18 and verse 1, Jesus spake a parable to them to this end, that men ought always to pray and not to faint. Same there was in a city a judge which feared not God, neither regarded man. 
And it said there was a widow in that city. And she came to that judge saying, Avenge me of my adversary. And the judge would not for a while. But after a while, he said, Though I fear not God, neither regard man, yet because this widow troubleth me by her continual coming, she weary me, I'm going to avenge her of her adversary. He said, Notice what the unjust judge saith, and shall not God avenge his own elect, which cry day and night unto him, though he bear along with him. I tell you, he will avenge them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man cometh, shall he find faith on the earth. He's not just talking about faith to believe. When he said, when the Son of Man cometh, shall he find faith on the earth? He's talking about something we must have. The embodiment of doctrine. The commandments. The Word living in us. He's not coming after a worldly church. The Bible tells us His church is to be without spot, without wrinkle, or any such thing. He's coming after a church pure and holy and sanctified and washed with water by the Word of the living God. He's coming after a holy church. Sal, the Son of Man, find faith when He comes. We must not lose our purpose, our faith. Number three, we must not lose our love. Love identifies us with Jesus Christ. The Bible said in St. John 13, 35, By this shall all men know you are my disciples, if you have love one to another. Now a lot of people quote that verse and they say one for another. No, God didn't give me love for my brother. He gave me love to my brother. I might have love for my brother, never show it. Love isn't love unless we show it. You could tell me you love me all day long and I'm in need and you never help me in my need. Your words are not worth anything to me. I've had people hug my neck and tell me they love me and run off and talk about me like I'm a dog, try to destroy my influence in the pulpit, try to destroy anything that I do, but they'll come and hug my neck and tell me they love me. They're a hypocrite, they're a liar, and they're in danger of the judgment of God. The Scripture said, let love be without dissimulation. Let love be without hypocrisy. If you tell me you love me, mean it, or don't tell me you love me. You see, love is absolutely necessary. St. John 15 and 12, this is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. How did Jesus love me? He loved me so much that He died for me. I used to have a member in our church every, about every once in a while. He'd hug me real tight and bear, hug me real good. And he'd say, I love you, I'd die for you. And we had some church problems in our church. And he'd been at our church about 14 years and... And he had taught a Sunday school class and, and I had tolerated a few things that he did because I loved him. I didn't want to hurt him and I didn't think it was big enough to create a problem over so I just overlooked some of the things that he did and loved him anyhow. Sometimes it pays to overlook a few things because you could create a deeper problem by trying to deal with something that's not really causing a lot of trouble than it is to try to deal with it. There's been preachers that have torn churches all to pieces because they didn't have enough tolerance to love somebody and look at them and try to be patient with them and help them. But he'd always tell me every service, well, not every service, but every now and then, he'd come up and hug me real good. He'd say, I love you. 
Well, I got in a real church problem and the devil tried to destroy the church. We'd build a brand new sanctuary, had a beautiful building. We do, we do now. We're fixing to do some more work. We were averaging about 250 to 300 in Sunday school. Everything was going real good and the devil hit us with a bomb and he tried to destroy the church. And this man that said he loved me all the time, I'd die for you. He was right in the middle of it and he was leading a conspiracy against the pulpit and he pulled out of the church and took about 40 members with him. Now, I don't have much use for that man. Now, I don't uh, hate him. I love him. I pray for him every day. He had enough audacity about him to ask me to come to his church and preach. I just looked at him. He would take every member he can get. I still have a few that sympathize with him. They go off down the road to where his church is and they sympathize with him. I don't have any sympathy with anybody that's going to divide and going to destroy the body. If you're a good divider, don't mess with me. I believe in the body. I I believe in the church. He almost shut him higher. He went on down the road, but oh, he told me he loved me and he'd die for me. What kind of love is that? If you're going to tell me you love me, then you do it. And don't just say you love me, but we must not lose our love. Love is absolutely necessary. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 13, though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels and have not charity, I'm become a sounding brass or a tickling symbol. Though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I can remove mountains and have not charity, I am nothing. Though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, give my body to be burned, and have not charity, it profiteth me nothing. Charity suffereth long and is kind. Charity envieth not. Charity voteth not itself. It's not puffed up. Doth not behave itself unseemly. Seeketh not her own. It's not easily provoked. Speaketh no evil, rejoiceth not in iniquity, but rejoiceth in the truth. Beareth all things, believeth all things, hopeth all things, endureth all things. Charity never faileth. You know how to get rid of the devil? You know how to help somebody get rid of the devil? Love the devil out of them. They can't stand it. If you have an enemy, love them. It'll bring heat coals of fire on their head. The Bible said, if your enemy hunger, feed him. If he thirst, give him drink. For in so doing, thou shalt heat coals of fire on his head. And be not overcome of evil. But overcome evil with good. I'm talking about things we should not and must not lose. You see, love covers sin. Proverbs 10, 12. Hatred stirs up strife, but love covers all sins. <laughs> Love will take your sin away and cover it. Love fulfills the law. In Romans 13.10, love worketh no ill to his neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfilling of the law. If you're trying to hurt your brother, you're trying to destroy him, you're not fulfilling the law. But if you love God, you're not going to hurt anybody. You're not going to break God's law. You won't bring a reproach on the church. You won't be a divider, but you'll be a gatherer. You won't scatter. You'll do the things that's pleasing in the eyes of the Lord. There was a man came to Jesus, tempting Jesus, said, What is the great law, the great commandment in the law? Jesus said, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy mind. And the second is like unto it. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. On these two hang all the law and the prophets. Then the last thing, 
We mustn't lose our purpose. We mustn't lose our faith. We mustn't lose our love. The last thing, we must not lose our power. God has given power to the church. He has given us the Holy Ghost. If we lose our purpose, if we lose our faith, which is to believe God and to take the embodiment of doctrine and live it, if we lose our love, we won't have any reason for power. We have a reason for power so that we might do the work of the Lord. There's a lot of people want power, but they don't want faith. They don't want love. They don't want purpose. They want power. What good is it to have a motor without a vehicle? You can have a nice motor, but you have to have a vehicle to put that motor in. The vehicle's a church. God has given power to the church to do His work in this last day. And we need power to face the devil. I want to tell you, Satan's been unleashed on this society. You think things are, any, are pretty good? They may be now. But look out, it's getting worse all the time. The homosexuals are marching, and they're getting their rights. And the reason they're getting their rights today is because many of them are in government offices and they have governmental positions and they have authority to do what they're doing. We're in for a black day in America if the church doesn't get back to her knees and rekindle the fire of Pentecost and let the power flow through us like it ought to flow. We're going to lose this nation. We must have power. The church has lost its power as a whole. The church has become a big social center where people gather together. Hot dog socials, ball teams gather together for fellowship. You'll find out how much power people have in the church. If you have a ball team or have some kind of social, they'll come out by the numbers. You call a prayer meeting and there's only a few that show up. What's wrong, preacher? They don't want power. They want to be entertained. We're living in a church age that doesn't want to pay the price. They'd love to have it, but God, they're not going to pay the price. Oh, God, don't ask me to do anything. Don't ask me to pray. Don't ask me to fast. I want to tell you, you're not going to have any power if you don't pray and if you don't fast. The only way to get power is to stay before God on your knees and weep and cry for this generation. Samson was born in a time when Israel was in deep trouble. The Philistines were continually taking charge of the children of Israel. And they had taken Israel for 40 years. They were under the bondage of, of the uh, Philistines for 40 years. And God gave a supernatural birth to a little woman. Her husband's name was Manoah. And God told this little woman, said, you're going to have a son. Said, don't you drink any unclean thing or anything of the vine or eat unclean thing. Said, you're going to have a son and he's going to begin to deliver Israel out of the hand of the Philistines. That son's name was Samson. But you see, there was a connection there that this, that this angel told this woman. He gave her some commandments and some absolutes. Said, you're not to eat, eat any unclean thing or drink anything of the vine and no razor is to come upon his head. His hair was a symbolism of his power. You lose that and you've lost your power. It was an outward form to the world that he was a Nazarite. He was separated. The world ought to be able to see us and know that we're not like them. If they can't see any difference in the church that in the world, the church doesn't have any power. If you have God, you have power. You can overcome temptation. 
You can overcome the devil and the flesh and the world. Samson was born just like the angel said. And his hair began to grow as a little boy. And the Spirit of the Lord began to move upon him. You've read about this great man. One place he came out when he had gone down to Timnath to visit a Philistine woman. And it was God's will that he go down there. The Bible said it was of the Lord that he might deliver Israel out of the hand of Philistians. And of course, Samson's parents didn't want him to go down to this woman of Philistia because they wanted him to stay with the Israelite women. But Samson went down. And on his way down there, a lion came out and roared against this mighty man of God. And the Spirit of the Lord came upon him. And he grabbed that lion and ripped his jaws apart. And God gave him victory over the lion. He turned back a few weeks later. His parents were with him. They didn't even know the lion had come out. They didn't know he had killed the lion. He went back to that lion a few weeks or days later. And he went to the carcass of the lion. And there was honey in the carcass. And he took the honey and went on eating. I want to tell you the devil may send some lines against you. But if you've got your commitment to God. If you haven't broke your vow. If you're living holy. If you're sanctified and full of the Holy Ghost. God will give you power to take the lion. And you can destroy your enemy. And eat honey right out of the carcass. God can take that which is meant for evil to you. And he can turn it into good. If you'll live for God and keep the power of God in your life. Samson was so powerful until one time the Philistines came upon him. He was at the top of the rock, Edom. And the Philistines came down to get him. And the men of Judah went up to Samson and said, What are you doing? He said, We're servants to the Philistines. What have you done, Samson? Samson said, I've done to them what they've done to me. Because he turned 300 foxes, tied their tails together, and turned them loose in the standing corn of the Philistines. And it burnt down their corn. And they were mad at him because he had burnt down their, their corn fields. And so they came to get him. He was hiding at the rock Edom. And the men of Judah said, What are you doing? Don't you know we need to serve them? He said, Come on down. And Samson said, If you won't fight me, try to kill me. He said, I'll come down. And I'll go down the Philistines. And he went down, and the Bible tells us when he got down there, the Spirit of the Lord came upon him, and he found the jawbone of an ass. And he began to slay those Philistines. A thousand of them he killed, heaps upon heaps, with a jawbone of an ass. He said he had slain a thousand Philistines. A mighty dynamo for God, a powerhouse. The church of God used to be a powerhouse. Many places you can go to our churches and you wouldn't know them from the Methodist church. You wouldn't know them from the Presbyterian church. And if you're a Methodist and a Presbyterian, I don't mean that to throw any slurs at you. You forgive me, I'm not slurring you. You may have a good Presbyterian and a good Methodist church. But most of them don't have any power. I've been in churches of God where I wondered if I was in the right church. I went to church one time and it was so worldly and dead. I, I, you know, I drove in the mountains and couldn't find a place. I finally found it, and I got there, and it already started service. And when I got in there, that was the deadest, coldest icebox I'd ever been in. It was absolutely graveyard dead. And it looked like it, too. Looked like a corpse. Beautiful place out on the main highway. Beautiful structure. The pastor loved it. Oh, it was beautiful. But it was dead. I'd rather worship in a brush harbor and have the power of God than to be in a cathedral and not be able to feel the Spirit and the power of the Holy Ghost. Samson was a powerful man, but he started fooling around with the wrong thing. The devil's not going to get your power overnight. 
He won't get the church overnight. It comes over a period of time. I can remember when the church used to look like everywhere you go. Everybody lived the same way and believed the same thing and practiced the same doctrine. Now you don't know what you're getting into. You may get into a bunch of charismatics that don't believe in anything when you go to a church of God. Satan got to fooling with a woman down at Giza. And the Gazites went down there and waited for him all night long. Said, when he's come out, we'll get him. He came out at midnight and pulled the gates up out of the ground and carried them over to a mountain before Hebron. And then the Bible said there was a woman in the valley of Sorek by the name of Delilah. Satan got to messing with her. And the lords of the Philistines went down to her and they said, if you'll entice him and find out where his secret is, where we can bind him to afflict him, we'll give you every one of us 1,100 pieces of silver. That would be 5,500 pieces of silver that Delilah would get. So she began to question Samson. She said, I want to know something, Samson. Where is your secret? The devil wants to know your secret. You'd be better off to not tell the devil your secret. Don't tell him everything. He doesn't know it unless you tell him. Hold on, my shut up, my mama. I had a man one night in our service years ago, and he was uh, he was wanting us to pray for him. He was in the choir. He was honest. He said, "Pray for me. My weakness is women." Oh Lord. Every woman in that church run. <laughs> you'd have seen him, you'd have run too. <laughs> I know why he had weakness. <laughs> Look at him. <laughs> but it don't pay to tell everything you know to everybody. Let not your left hand know what your right hand doeth. Samson went to see Delilah. Delilah said, I want to know your secret, Samson. He said, if you get seven green wits that were never dried... He said, bring them to me and tie me up. said, I'll be weak and be like any other man. She did that and she said, the Philistines be upon thee, Samson. They arose and came against him. He tore them off his hands. The Spirit of the Lord came upon him and he defeated the Philistines. She said, you've mocked me and told me lies. You haven't told me where your strength lies. said, you take new ropes and you bind me those new ropes, Delilah, and I'll be like any other man. The devil wants you to be like any other man. If you're full of the Holy Ghost, you're not like any other man. You're different. You're sanctified. You're separated. You're sealed by the Holy Spirit of God until the day of redemption. No, the devil don't want this kind of preaching. He wants us to pet the church and say, well, we haven't changed. We're just as good as we ever were. We're growing. We've lost the things that we once had in many places. We don't have what we once had in many areas. There's no power. There's no anointing. It's a form of godliness and denying the power thereof. Samson tied him with new ropes. He broke them off. Again, she said, Samson, you've mocked me and told me lies. You haven't told me where your strength lies. said, if you'll weave my seven locks of my hair, you'll find my strength. She did so. Said the Philistines be upon you. And Samson arose and the Spirit of the Lord came upon him. He defeated the Philistines. Notice in each one of these temptations, she said the Philistines be upon you. The devil is around you every day wanting to get your strength where he can jump on you and destroy you and take you to hell. Samson says, why? Uh, Delilah says, how, you, how can you tell me you love me when your heart's not with me? That's what she was after. She was after his heart. 
The devil will get in your mind. He'll get you to thinking wrong. He'll get you to looking wrong. He'll get you to talking wrong. He'll get you to hearing wrong. And then he gets your heart and he's got you and you've lost it. And you wonder what's happened. It's because you didn't resist the devil. The Bible tells us, submit yourselves therefore to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. He said, neither give place to the devil. I feel some resistance tonight from somewhere. But I'm telling you what it's going to take to be ready. Things that we must not lose. Satson said, how can you tell me you love me? Your heart's not with me. And the Bible said that when she spoke to him daily and urged him until his soul was vexed unto death, he told her his heart. And he said, the secret is in my hair. You cut off my hair and you'll get my power. She put him to sleep. He had no business fooling with her in the first place. You lay around with an old dog and you're going to get up with fleas. Ow! Ow! Ow, God! I said you lay around with a dog and you'll get up with fleas. You hang around and stink long enough and you'll stink. You get around an old skunk, man, them things stink. You let one of them things spray you and you'll stink. <laughs> I remember years ago we had a fellowship hall. Our fellowship hall that we have now is not the one I'm talking about. We have a new one now. We used to have a little smaller fellowship hall made out of uh, wood. and It was painted and uh, we put some ham in there. And uh, we put it in the freezer. Nice big ham. You know what ham is. I know you do. Uh, if you don't, then, uh, you know, I know you do. <laughs> we had it in the freezer. Well, I went in that fellowship hall one day and there's something stunk. I said, my goodness, what is that that stinks? There must be a rat or something here tied. And I didn't do nothing about it. I didn't know what it was. Oh, stinking, stinking, that ham had rotted. The uh, freezer had gone out and somebody pulled a cord out of the wall or turned it off or something. That was the most stinking meat I've ever smelled. Oh, it was awful. I had to get garbage cans and tie, tie a towel around my face to get that ham out of there. We had to take Clorox and everything we could to kill those germs. It stunk up everything around there. I didn't like that smell. I don't understand some people say they love God and they want to hang around something that stinks. They want to hang around something going to get their victory and going to get their joy. If you don't want your hair cut off, stay away from Delilah. I don't care how powerful you think you are. You'll fall if you lay your head in the lap of the devil. He'll strip you of your glory. He'll take your power. He'll take your joy. He'll take your song. He'll take your dance. Brother, I'd rather feel God than to have anything in this world. Take this whole world. But give me Jesus. She cut off his hair. And she said, the Philistines be upon thee, Samson. He arose and shook himself as he did before. And he wished not that the Lord had departed from him. And they'd come upon him. He shook, but there was no power. 
Everything that shouts is not real. There's some people shaking, but there's no power. They're singing that old song. There's a whole lot of shaking going on. And that's all it is. It's shaking. It's a bunch of noise. No power. They, my God, I don't just want to shake. I want the power with a shake. Hulamashatamama. I want the anointing with a shake. He shook himself. The power was gone. They put out his eyes. They put him in a grinding mill. They made a slave out of him. And the women and the boys and the girls and the men would come and look in that old grinding mill. Samson was a hero. He was a champion. Every little boy in Israel and every little girl would count him a great uh, hero. But here their hero is, down in an old grinding mill, reduced to a slave. They would probably spit on him and throw dirt at him and say, Oh, there's a champion. And they would laugh and they would make fun. Listen to me. When the devil gets you, when he strips you of your power, when he takes your victory, he'll just sit back and laugh at you and make fun of you. He has nothing to offer you in this world. This world is going to pass away. But he that doeth the will of God shall abide forever. Samson was grinding in that old mill. All of a sudden, his hair began to grow. He had lost it, but he didn't have to stay that way. You may have lost it tonight. You may not have the purpose. You may not have the faith and the love and the power. You may have lost it, but I want to tell you that's not the end. You can go back and pick it up. You can do, denounce the things of this world and get back to Jesus and renew your vow. Renew your covenant. Come back to Calvary. Come back to the cross. Come back to the upper room. Come back to the crimson floor and let Jesus make a difference in your life. Exceptions grinding in that old mill. All of a sudden, one day, he felt the power of God come upon him. He said, my goodness. He didn't tell anybody. He didn't scream out of that dungeon where they had him grind and say, Hey, I've got the power. He kept it to himself. But he grabbed that old post and where he was holding on and grinded in that old grinding mill. And the fire began to burn again. And the anointing began to come on him again. And he knew, and not, no doubt, while he was grinding in that mill, day after day, he says, God, I failed you. I brought a reproach on your great name. I laid my head in the lap of the devil. He shorn me of my power, but now I have it back. Give me one more opportunity, God. Give me one more chance, and I'll stand for you. I'll die for you. I'll do anything you want me to do. I'm glad that you give me my power back. There was a day when they had their God, Dagoon. They were in their big stadium, whatever kind it was. They called for Samson. They were worshiping their God and praising their God because they said that our God has delivered Samson, the enemy of our people, into our hand. And they were worshiping their God. Then they said, call for Samson! I don't know where Samson was, but if he was within any distance to hear it, I believe when they said call for Samson, Samson didn't crawl up in a ball in fear. I believe when they said call for Samson, he jumped up with a shout. He said, God, you've answered my prayer. I'm coming out of here. I want to do one more great thing for you. I want to be avenged of my eyes. They put out my eyes. God, you're giving me one more chance. 
And that little lad came. They got him. They led him out of the place where he was found. They led him out in that big place where they were having their gathering. He told the lad, said, lead me to the pillars that hold up the building. All the time he can feel the power of God running through his system. He knows God's going to do something. He prays a prayer. He said, God, just remember me this once. I pray and strengthen me. I pray this once that I may be avenged of the Philistians for my two eyes. And the Bible said the Lord and the Spirit of the Lord came on him and he tore down those pillars and the house came caving in. There were 3,000 people there at least. All the lords of the Philistines were there and they died. And the Bible said that Samson died with the Philistines. You know what Samson said? Samson said, I'd rather die in victory and live in defeat. I'd rather die in victory than live in defeat. Lord, if I can't live this life, if I can't sing this song, if I can't carry on this journey, if I can't run this race, if I can't fight this battle, take me on. Don't let me see my wretchedness. I'd rather die multiple Sunday in victory than to live in defeat. I'm talking about things we must not lose. You may not agree with what I preached. You may not like it. I've had people don't like some of the things I preach. I preached a camp meeting here a number of years ago. In fact, it was in 91. I preached a camp meeting outside. It was hot. You're talking about hot. Man, it was hot. I felt like I've been in a swimming pool when I got through preaching. I preached one night and a man was on the outside of the tabernacle. He was talking to the pastor in that area. And when I was preaching, he said, I ain't taking no more of this. I'm getting out of here. My God, it got too hot. Brother, if you're too, if it's too hot for you, you can't stay in the kitchen. I want to tell you the hotter it is, the better I like it. Sister Mason served that meal today. And when I put that food in my mouth, it was so hot until I had to drink tea to cool it off. But brother, it was good. The hotter it is, the better it tastes. You can't get too hot for God. Lord, serve it on me hot. Convict me of my weaknesses. Draw me close to you. Show me my failures. Let me walk in the light. Let me live for you, God. I know your coming is near. Don't let me lose what I need to carry me through. I want you to stand, everybody, all over this building. I'm talking about things we must not lose. One thing we've lost, we've lost our respect one for another. I don't have to agree with a man, but I can still respect him. I've seen people that don't do that. They think they know it all. You can't tell them anything. You need to understand he knows it all. We're learning. I'm learning every day. I'm sitting at the feet of Jesus. What you've heard tonight is God's Word. We'd better get back to the old paths. He said, Thus saith the Lord, stand ye in the ways and see, and ask for the old paths. Where's the good way? 
and walk therein and you shall find rest for your souls. But they said, we will not walk therein. Also I set watchmen over you saying, hearken to the sound of the trumpet. But they said, we will not hearken. And let me tell you something. It's hard to get people to believe in holiness anymore. You say, why preacher? Because the most of the people don't believe it anymore. A lot of the churches will let you do anything and be a member. You don't have to live right. You can live any way as long as you pay your tithes and come to church and you're a goody-goody. They don't care. So it's hard to live holiness in this day. But holiness is the only thing that's going to get you to heaven. I'm not talking about self-righteousness. I'm not talking about bragging on your good. You don't have any good. I'm talking about Jesus in you. Jesus in you. Ow! My, 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 my. There's somebody here tonight. I believe this message was sent for you. I believe there's somebody here tonight that has forgotten God. You've forgotten the truth. And the devil has turned your head toward the world. He's trying to make you believe you're not getting anything out of life. You're not going to make it. You're, you're, you know, you're not having any joy. You can't do this. You can't do that. Listen, there's a lot of things I can't do, but I don't want to do them. <laughs> you see, what sanctification does, let me tell you this and we'll pray. I'm going to get somebody in the altar, the Lord willing. What sanctification does more than anything else, it deals with your will. It makes you willing to die. The world doesn't mean anything to a dead man. My daddy died January the 27th. I loved him. I loved him. I loved him. He was a Christian for 50 years. He had more faith. In fact, Brother Larry Mason reminds me of my dad in his faith because he believes God like that. My dad had more faith or as much faith as any man I've ever known. He prayed for three people in his lifetime that they said were dead and God raised them from the dead. He prayed for a man that dove into a, swim, into a, a river and broke his neck and he was bones and his skin was rotten off. He was totally paralyzed and God healed him instantly. I'm not bragging on my dad. I'm telling you what kind of man he was. But I went to the hospital to see my dad. He had gotten cancer. And he had taken some radium treatments. I wish we had never let him take them, but he did. And he was down. He was 76 years old. It knocked him to the bottom. And I talked with him and I said, Dad, I said, and he just got him a, a car, a nice car. Didn't even get to drive it. He bought it and the next day or two he's in the hospital and going down quick. And I went to see him and I said, Dad, I said, you've got a, a new car. You need to drive it. We want you to be able to drive your car. I'm just making conversation more or less. Here's what he said to me. He said, that's just material things. He was ready to meet God. He sat there one day and I was seeing him suffer and it broke my heart. And Here's what he said. He said, the Lord is my shepherd and they can't take that away from me. The devil can afflict you with cancer. He can give you disease and if God doesn't heal you, you're going to die. But brother, that inward man, he can't put his hands on the inward man. The outward man perish, but the inward man is renewed day by day.
Aren't you glad you know him tonight? How many will raise your hand with me and say, Preacher, I know tonight if the trumpet sounds, I'm ready. Would you raise your hand? I'm ready. Can you clap both those hands now? Can you clap them? Can you give the Lord a good wave offering right now? There's somebody here tonight that God is calling you and the Spirit of the Lord is dealing with you in this service. You need to come to this altar right now and ask God to touch your heart. You've allowed the enemy and don't be embarrassed because it's better to come now to pay now or you're going to pay later. God gave me this message. You can't afford to lose what you have. You get your eyes on other people and they'll pull you down. There's only one to look to. There's only one that's perfect. There's only one that won't fail. There's only one that won't change. And His name is Jesus. Everything else is going to fail. And everything else is going to the bottom. Only Jesus lives. Only Jesus is worthy. He's the only one that won't fail tonight. I want everybody's head bowed. We're going to pray. Heavenly Father, I've delivered my soul tonight. I've given every ounce of strength that I have for this message. I pray right now the Holy Ghost would burn in this place. There's somebody here, God. There's somebody here right now while I'm praying. I'm asking you to pull them out of their seat where they're standing. I'm asking you to bring them to this altar now and help them to turn to Christ and repent. Help them to say they're sorry. Help them to come to Jesus tonight. God, in the name of the Lord Jesus, let the Spirit of God prick their heart even now. Bring them to the cross. Bring them to Calvary. Bring them to the Redeemer. In Jesus' name. All over the building. Who will come? I preached last night on a message, What have I done? What have I done? Are you ready to meet God? If the trumpet was to sound right now, can you say without a doubt, preacher, I'm paid up, I'm packed up, I'm fired up, I'm loved up. I'm ready to go up. Can you say it? Shut up. Bless this precious lady here. Bless her God. There's somebody else here. God has called you and I could put my hand on you. I know who you are. But I'm not going to do it. I'm going to leave it up to you. God's calling you right now. The Spirit of the Lord's dealing with you. The devil's trying to pull you away from God. He's trying to show you the bright lights. He's trying to show you the world. He's trying to show you sin. But listen, you've got to live for God. What good is this world going to do you if you, if you stand before God without Jesus? Without Jesus.